Let's pray and we'll ask God for his help. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you because Jesus has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. We thank and praise you that because of Jesus raised, being raised from the dead, we can look forward to being raised from the dead and being with you forever. Please help us this morning to understand more about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and we pray it in his name. Amen. Well, if you have your outline out, you won't need uh, a Bible particularly because I've got quite a few Bible verses on the outline this morning. I'll be uh, moving around through these Bible verses. So do please have the um, outline open. And as you can see from the outline, just in the three numbered things, it's three questions that I want to ask this morning. So you can see the first question on the top left-hand side, what is the resurrection of Jesus? Second question on top of the right-hand side, did the resurrection of Jesus happen? And third question, does the resurrection of Jesus matter? What is the resurrection of Jesus? Did the resurrection of Jesus happen? And does the resurrection of Jesus matter? Can you see where we're going? See what we're doing this morning. Okay, question one. What is the resurrection of Jesus? Uh, the resurrection of Jesus was when he came back to life again. He was dead, killed by being nailed to a cross, buried in a grave, but two nights and a day later, the grave was empty and Jesus appeared to people alive. Now, on your outline there, I've got a part of the Bible that says this. It's written by, this is written by a bloke called Paul and it's a letter that's written around 55 AD. Okay, so it's around about 20 years after the events themselves. On your outline, can you see it there? For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also. That's what the resurrection was. Jesus was dead and buried, but then he was alive again. Just, just a few more things to say. Firstly, it was a bodily resurrection. Jesus' body became alive again. He wasn't reincarnated into a different body. He didn't become a chook or a dog or something like that. Resurrection is not reincarnation. Okay? And it's not that uh, Jesus' soul stayed alive. Okay, resurrection is not the same thing as immortality of the soul. It's not like he's a, a soul now floating about on clouds or something like that. Uh, and it's not just that Jesus continued to live on in the memories of his disciples. Resurrection is not a way of describing Jesus' continuing influence. Jesus didn't become a ghost or a spirit. No, no, Jesus' same physical body was alive again. As we just read, Jesus was buried in a tomb. But then the Bible says the tomb was empty. His body was not there anymore. Uh, the next passage on your outline from Luke 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. The body of Jesus, the same one that he'd been living in, the body of Jesus was gone from the tomb. And then the risen Jesus proved to his disciples that it was physically him alive again. He appeared to them and he got them to touch him. He ate with them. We saw it in our reading today. You remember Doubting Thomas? Or, or have a look at the next passage there on your outline. 
Now, the risen Jesus says to his disciples, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Jesus' resurrection was a bodily resurrection. The dead body of Jesus came back to life. You get that? Okay, but Jesus, he wasn't the same after the resurrection as he was before the resurrection. It wasn't just a case of resuscitation of him just coming back to life again to die again. No, no, Jesus was raised immortal, never to die again. And his body, the same body, but his body was transformed. After the resurrection, Jesus could enter a locked room. We saw that in the first reading. He could appear and disappear at will. We saw him being wiped out of the sand as he disappeared from, uh, from them as they were eating uh, the, the bread. Um, Jesus' renewed body was different from what it, what it had been. His old body wasn't just resuscitated. It had been transformed, ready for life in the new heaven and new earth. And Paul describes the new resurrection body in his first letter to the Corinthians. I've put that on your outline as well. You can see where I am now, right down the bottom of the left-hand side. The body that is sown, that is the normal body that we have now, as it is buried, sown in the ground, it's, it's perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonour. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Okay, can you see the answer to our first question then? What is the resurrection of Jesus? It's the fact that Jesus came back to life from the dead, physically and bodily, but transformed and ready for eternal life. That's question one. That brings us to our second question. Second question, did the resurrection of Jesus happen? Did it happen? Now, the first thing to say is that there were lots of people who reckoned they saw Jesus alive after he had died. Did you notice in that first reading, way up on the top left-hand side, there were more than 500 witnesses. Imagine the picture of a tribunal uh, discussing, did Jesus rise from the dead? And you get more than 500 people, one after the other, saying, yes, yes, I, I, I saw him, I uh, saw him alive, hang around with him, I saw him dead, it was confirmed by the Roman centurion that he was truly dead, and then I saw him alive again, he appeared to me, one after the other, 500 people, bang, bang. Bang. That's pretty compelling evidence, don't you reckon? Uh, these people, they, they were changed by the resurrected Jesus. They went on to spend their lives telling people about the resurrected Jesus. On the face of it, stacks of evidence. Stacks of evidence that it happened. But of course, uh, lots of people dispute that the resurrection of Jesus happened. So what I want to do now is just to look at a few objections, a few of the more common objections to the idea that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, some people say, and uh, you'll hear this particularly people like Dan Brown and those kinds of people, the, the um, Da Vinci Code guy, they say that the resurrection of Jesus, it was a myth that developed over time to explain the continuing influence of Jesus on his disciples. Uh, they say that the doctrine of the resurrection, it didn't develop until much, much later on. But that's not right. Can't be right. Uh, we've already seen that the original disciples claimed that the resurrection was physical. 
They never said it was about his ongoing influence. They said it was about a dead body being alive again, an empty grave and a touchable body. And they said this right from the start. The very first mentions of a physical resurrection that we have still written down, they come from around about 15 years after the events themselves. 15 years. Uh, or I just read to you that first passage again up on the top left hand side, that's about 20 years after it happened. And did you notice what Paul says right at the beginning there? He says, um, what I received I passed on to you. This is already old news, 20 years down the track. This is something people have already believed for 20 years. Now anyone who studies mythology, they will tell you that it takes a long time for myths to develop. I mean, imagine if someone tried to make up myths about the 1990s. Who's someone famous who died in the 1990s? I can't think of anyone famous who died in the 1990s. But imagine, someone famous died in the 1990s and then people said, oh, actually, uh, he, he rose again from the dead. Well, it's the 1990s. There are heaps of people around who could say, no, 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 hang on, I can take you to his grave. Um, he, he's there. There are lots of people still alive who can tell you that it's not true. And that's why myths take ages to develop. You've got to, everyone's got to be dead who can tell you the truth by the time a myth develops. But right from the start, Christians claimed that Jesus was risen from the dead. They said, uh, like Paul in that first reading, they said, 500 people saw it. Uh, go and ask them. Most of them are still alive. Go and ask them. That's, that's not a myth. It, it doesn't work historically. There's not enough time in between the events and, and, and the telling of the events for it to be a myth. That, obje that objection cannot be right. All right. Well, let's tackle another objection. Some people say that the people of those days were more gullible than today. They didn't have the same kind of scientific knowledge of the world that we have today. They believed in magic and the supernatural and they could easily have fallen prey to reports of a resurrected Jesus because they believed that resurrections from the dead were possible. Uh, that objection fails to understand the worldview of first century people. Uh, yes, it is true. People in the first century, they didn't have a scientific worldview that ruled out miracles. But it's not like the people of those days would have found the idea of a resurrection easy to swallow. Now, to explain this, I want to um, tell you some stuff from a guy called Tim Keller, and he's uh, working with uh, some stuff from a guy called N.T. Wright. Uh, let me quote from this man, Tim Keller. He says, To all the dominant worldviews of the time, an individual bodily resurrection was almost inconceivable. And then he goes on to explain the two dominant worldviews that existed at the time that Christianity came into being. Uh, first, there was the Greco-Roman worldview. This is a worldview that was influenced by philosophers like Plato and Aristotle. You may have heard of them. Uh, now, the Greco-Roman view, it held that there's a big distinction between the physical stuff of this world and the spiritual world, the world of the forms, Plato called it. Now, people of that day, in Greco-Roman thinking, they believed that people existed as spirits before they were born. We existed as spirits before we were born, but then when we were born, it's like our spirits were locked into our physical bodies. We are imprisoned in our physical bodies. And they said that this physical material world, it is weak and corrupt and defiling. And so for a Greco-Roman thinker, the goal of life is to have your spirit set free from your body to go back to the pure and clean spiritual world. Salvation, for a Platonic thinker, is liberation from the body. 
So now, put yourself in that way of thinking. And then here come the disciples and they say, Our Lord Jesus is physically raised from the dead. It's, it's like his spirit was set free from his body in death and now the disciples are saying he's been imprisoned back in his body again. It's like going back to jail. It's not just impossible, it's undesirable. It's the last thing that you want to happen, the worst thing that could be happen, to you, happen to you, to be re-imprisoned in your body. That's Greco-Roman thinking. The idea of a resurrection is just totally contrary to what they think should be good. That's Greco-Roman thinking. The other dominant worldview that early Christianity grew up in was the Jewish worldview. And again, in the Jewish way of thinking, the idea of an individual being resurrected was impossible. They'd heard of resuscitations, uh, like in the time of Elijah and Elisha and so on, but the idea of the resurrection of an individual was impossible. Now, the Jewish people believed that there was going to be a resurrection age. It was the age when the Messiah would come, when all God's people would be raised from the dead and when the whole of creation would be renewed. The day of the Lord, it was called in some places. And you get a glimpse of this in John chapter 11. Uh, John chapter 11, Jesus is at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. He's talking to Lazarus' sister and he says to her, Lazarus is going to rise again. Pick it up in your outline from John chapter 11. See where I am now? I'm on the right-hand side at the top. Jesus said to her, to Martha, See where I am? Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Okay, the Jews believed that the promised resurrection, it was one part of the complete renewal of the world, at the end of the world, the last day. And so for them, the idea of one person being resurrected, it just didn't make any sense at all. Let me quote again from Tim Keller. The idea of an individual being resurrected in the middle of history while the rest of the world continued on, burdened by sickness, decay and death, was inconceivable. If someone had said to any first century Jew, so and so has been resurrected from the dead, the response would be, are you crazy? How could that be? Has disease ended? Has death ended? Is true justice established in the world? Has the wolf lain down with the lamb? Ridiculous. Do you get the point? You actually recognise the worldviews of first century people and they were no more ready to believe in a resurrection than we are. They didn't have a materialistic scientific worldview, but in their way of thinking about the world, the idea of a resurrection made no more sense than it does for us. They were mo no more predisposed to believe in a resurrection than we are. Let me quote one more time from Tim Keller. The people of that time would have considered a bodily resurrection to be as impossible as the people of our own time, though for different reasons. I don't know about you, I reckon that's very, very interesting. I was very struck by it as, as I read Tim Keller's book because that, that objection that uh, first century people are more gullible, completely wrong. Makes, it, it totally fails to understand historically their worldview, apart from being arrogant, modern thinking. Okay, well, let's tackle another objection. Uh, some people say that the disciples made up the story of the resurrection. Uh, that was the explanation that the authorities of the day put out. They couldn't show a body because the tomb was empty. Uh, they couldn't uh, uh, stop the disciples from saying that uh, Jesus was risen from the dead and so they put out the explanation that the disciples stole the body and started the story that he was resurrected, that Jesus was resurrected. But you've got to realise this. 
the disciples all suffered terribly for talking about the resurrection. They were imprisoned, they were whipped, they were tortured, almost all of them were finally killed. And yet at no point did any one of them put up their hand and say, sorry, all a joke, all a scam, sorry, sorry. The philosopher Blaise Pascal once wrote this. He said, he said, I believe those witnesses that get their throats cut. Do you get what he's saying there? When a witness has nothing to gain and everything to lose, they're going to tell the truth. Okay, so now picture yourself in the tribunal again. We're working out, has Jesus, died from, has Jesus risen from the dead? You've got 500 people coming. They've got a knife at their throats. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Absolutely. Saw it with my own eyes. Next, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Absolutely. Saw it with my own eyes. It's not going to happen, is it? 500 people are not going to stick to the same story as they all get killed for it. The evidence is overwhelming. On your outline, I've just got one example from the Bible of how steadfast the disciples were in the face of opposition. Now, this story, it's about two men who were with Jesus. Their names are Peter and John. They'd been talking about how Jesus rose from the dead. The authorities captured them. They whipped them. They put them in jail and they said, stop talking about Jesus or we'll kill you in all sorts of unpleasant ways. All sorts of threats were made. But here's what Peter and John said. Can you see it on your outline there? Very simple. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. That's not someone who's made it up. Now, just one more thing to say on this second question, did the resurrection happen? And that's this. Uh, if you say that the resurrection didn't happen, you've got to come up with some kind of other explanation for how suddenly the Christian church developed, for how suddenly all these people believed that it did happen. After the death of Jesus, an entirely new worldview sprang up. The early Christians, they had a resurrection-centred view of reality. It was something totally new in thinking in world history. Uh, they believed even that Jesus was God, God in flesh, come to save them from their sins. Entirely new ways of thinking. And the idea that these, that these thoughts, these ideas should just appear out of nowhere, completely unprecedented in history. Let me quote again from Tim Keller. The Christian view of resurrection, absolutely unprecedented in history, sprang up full-blown immediately after the death of Jesus. There was no process, no development. His followers said that their beliefs did not come from debating and discussing. They were just telling others what they had seen themselves. No one has come up with any plausible alternative to this claim. Even if you propose the highly unlikely idea that one or two of Jesus' disciples did get the idea that he was risen from the dead on their own, they would never have got a movement of other Jews to believe it unless there were multiple inexplicable, plausible, repeated encounters with the risen Jesus. Uh, there's a, a modern view which comes from a thinker called David Hume that resurrections don't happen and therefore it didn't happen. Not quite as simple as that because worldviews don't spring out of nothing and one did. Something amazing, something miraculous has happened. Did the resurrection of Jesus happen? I'm convinced that it did. With all these witnesses, with the whole birth of the church, I think the evidence is overwhelming. So that brings us to our final question. 
does the resurrection of Jesus matter? Now, the thing to realise about the resurrection of Jesus is this. Jesus said that it wasn't just him who would be resurrected. He said that he would resurrect the people who rely on him as well, the people who have faith in him. Jesus said that his resurrection is the guarantee of the resurrection of those who rely on him. On your outline from John chapter 11, see where I am now, about halfway down the right-hand side. Jesus said to her, still talking to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Those who believe in Jesus will be resurrected to eternal life. But the Bible says that those who don't believe in Jesus will face the anger and judgment of God. And the Bible says that none of us live the way God wants us to. We deserve his wrath and anger. Jesus, by his life and death and resurrection, can bring us forgiveness, resurrection, eternal life. But if we won't rely on Jesus, the Bible says, God's anger remains on us. On your outline from John 3, this is not my words, this is God's word from the Bible. It's crystal clear. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Friends, does the resurrection of Jesus matter? Well, ask yourself this. Does where you spend the rest of eternity matter to you? I'm not asking where you're going for your next holiday. I'm not asking what the next house will be that you live in for a few years. I'm not asking what the next job will be in that you're in for a few years. I'm asking, does where you spend the rest of eternity matter to you? You could have eternal life. Your body resurrected, forgiven and joyfully in the presence of God. Or you could face the anger of God for all you have done wrong. It will remain on you. Friends, if that's true, that matters more than anything, doesn't it? A bloke called John Dixon did a survey recently. He surveyed 2,500 ordinary Australians and listened to this result. Among those who do not identify as Christians, this is people who say they are not Christian, he found that 45% say they believe in the resurrection. Okay, 45% of people who don't claim to be Christians believe that Jesus rose again from the dead. And yet they're not relying on Jesus to forgive them and resurrect them and give them eternal life. John Dixon said this of the result. He said, We are staggered. We thought the survey would show the profound scepticism of Australians. And yet, it, instead, it shows a base-level assumption among the Australian public that accepts the Jesus story, even if it has, get this, even if it has no relevance to their lives. I just say, I, I just don't get that. How can you believe that a bloke has defeated death, risen from the dead, and then think, well, it's got nothing to do with me? If Jesus rose from the dead, he is the only hope that you and I have got to be saved from death and be with God forever. I can't imagine how anyone could seriously, sure I might say it with bravado, but I can't imagine how anyone could seriously think that where they spend the rest of eternity is not relevant to their lives. If this is true, it is way too important to ignore. If this is true, it is way too important to just 
put aside. The resurrection of Jesus matters more than anything. Well, friends, can you see the answers to our three questions? What is the resurrection of Jesus? Jesus came back to life from the dead, physically and bodily, but transformed. Did the resurrection of Jesus happen? The evidence is overwhelming that it did. Does the resurrection of Jesus matter? It matters more than anything else in the universe. Our eternal destiny depends on what we do about the resurrected Jesus. So friends, I want to finish, I want to finish by giving you just a couple of invitations invitations first invitation is this we would love for you to stick around here at church uh, to come every sunday not just easter sunday uh, here in this church we learn week by week from the bible we learn more about who jesus is and what he did we learn what it means to be rely on to, we, we learn what it means for us to rely on him we learn what it means for us to live according to the way he wants we would love for you to join us we sincerely believe that Jesus is the most important person in the universe and we would love for you to learn more about him with us. Second invitation. I'd also invite you to think more about Jesus by reading. If you want a couple of recommendations of books to read, I've got on your outline there two excellent uh, modern books, one written in 2009, one written in 2010. Uh, so very up-to-date books and excellent. The first one is the one I've been quoting from, the book by Tim Keller. It's called The Reason for God. Uh, the second one is called, it's a much thinner book, the second one, uh, it's called Naked God by Martin Ayers. I've already given my copy away, so I can't wave one at you. Um, but they're excellent books, a good place to start. Can I encourage you, don't just put this off. Think carefully about it, and these books are excellent places to start. Also, at the door, we've got some um, Gospels of Luke. Of course, the best place to go for information is back to the original sources. That's what you're getting if you read this, the Gospel of Luke. Luke lived around about the same time as Jesus, and he's written his book based on eyewitness accounts. And these are free, these ones, if you want to take them from up the back. Well, friends, uh, happy Resurrection Sunday. It's traditional in uh, many Christian churches to say, uh, he is risen on Resurrection Sunday. And then the response is, he is risen indeed. It's very apt. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that Jesus is indeed risen from the dead. And we thank and praise you for his promise that all who rely on him, even though we die, yet will live. We thank and praise you that he promises to raise us from the dead and bring us to be with you in a new heaven and new earth forever. We pray, Heavenly Father, for each person who is here this morning, that you would help us if we don't yet believe in the resurrection of Jesus to, to investigate carefully to see if it's true. And we pray for those of us who know that it is true, that you help us to live with Jesus as our King and our Lord and our Saviour and help us to give you thanks and praise both now and forever. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.